<laughs> so, Claire, I heard you the other day. I heard your sweet voice, and I so wanted to say hello. Where? And you were very oh, funny, the- as usual, but I was in the bathroom, and it just didn't seem appropriate to yell from the stall. <laughs> you can totally talk to me in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I fully believe in complete and total conversations in the bathroom if, if when when deemed appropriate. I have no problem with that. We're good, not guys. We good to know. Good to know. I was like, <laughs> oh, I want to say hi, but I I can't. Get out of here. <laughs> Claire, Claire, do you find it, um, you know, that it's a thing over there to when you're in the bathrooms there <laughs> not to talk to people that, that are in the bathroom? Um, if or acknowledge... True. If that's true, I never got the memo because, <laughs> well, it may be true that when you're actually in the stall, I guess depending on what's going on in there, you may not want to engage in conversation. <laughs> but, but once once you're like washing your hands and all that, I'll talk to anybody. Yeah, but what if one person's in the stall and the other one's washing their hands? If I'm engaged, I will engage back. But if you if it's clear you don't want to converse, then I then I won't. Does that make sense? <laughs> Anna came to work here before me, and she said, there's this thing at Hubbard. She said, said, you stay in your stall until everyone leaves the bathroom. Oh, God, that's funny. No, I've never experienced that. You you never, like, caught on to that at all? At all? Okay. Maybe, you know, Lori, maybe it was always just me. But I, I feel like, so, so Claire, you know, Lori and I used to work somewhere else. Sometimes there were people in there. Sometimes there weren't. Sometimes there were coworkers. Sometimes there were complete strangers because right. it was the observation deck. But it was never a thing there. Like, you could talk to anybody. And, and then when I, when I started working here nine years ago, I was noticing every time I went to the bathroom, it was like, do not get out of your stall until the person that's washing their hands is out of the bathroom. And wow. I, I have never, it never even occurred to me to notice or think about that. I do my thing and then I go out and I just yammer at whoever's there to yammer at. I, and it, it wasn't a thing back at our old at our old job. Right. And, and I remember even my boss was in the yeah. in the stall and He's, and you know you'd hear. I can't. It was it, just fine. Were there people that used to work there that kind of set that tone? I mean, was that did that come from a person? I don't, I don't know. It may it may have come from the toilet. Maybe it was the new kid kind of thing. <laughs> You're the new kid, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what if I go out there and I don't know what to say to the person washing their hands? Maybe it was because it was the new kid, and I never got out of that mode. Um, Maybe. At the commode. (laughs) The mode in the commode. The commode mode. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it was just me. I mean, Lori, on your own, if I hadn't said anything to you. I don't know, because now I'm like, if I don't know, if they're not from our building or I don't recognize the shoes, I... (laughs) But now with COVID, it's like if we see anyone at work, it's like you like you want to run and hug. It is. It it I for for many, 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 many weeks I was the only woman and I had the bathroom completely to myself. Is that why they took the code off of it? Somewhere around June or July, maybe they uh, more people came in and I saw them. Um, (laughs) but now it's like if I see any other woman anywhere, it's like, oh my god, a person I know you. You know, it's, but you know what? I have to admit, the nice thing is that so there's some salespeople 
that have periodically been coming in and using a conference room, and I'm sure they call ahead, and everybody's wearing masks and all, and all that kind of stuff, and they're sitting six feet apart, and they're obviously on the phone with some client or something. But I always, like, I go out of my way now to, to duck in and say hi. I put on a mask, I open the door, I come in. I never would have done that under normal circumstances. I'm very friendly and outgoing, but I figure, oh, there's salespeople, they're busy. But it's so nice to see people now that you haven't seen in months that I'm like, screw their meeting. I'm going to right. sing hi. <laughs> Priorities. You know? <laughs> Yep. Yeah, we're and getting they our priorities appreciate it. Like everyone seems, they're not like, get out of here, we're busy. They're like, oh my Hi. God, it's a person, you know? Just taking jogs. If I see someone, like I am overly waving at them. <laughs> they don't know who I am. I'm just so happy to see them. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Listen and Learn or Not. We podcast from the beautiful anarchist jurisdiction of Seattle. <laughs> I've embraced it, you guys. I'm Anna D. I'm working from home. Coach Lori is in the warm 106.9 studio in the anarchist suburb of Bellevue. Okay, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> Claire already was at work today. I was already at work, and now I'm at home in the anarchist subdivision of Renton. <laughs> but earlier she was riding with Fitz in the morning on 98.9 The Bull. Which actually is anarchy. That is, that's its own brand of anarchy every morning. What? Are you kidding me? Oh, and, and ladies, we have cleaner air here in the Pacific oh. Northwest. Yes. yes if yes, COVID yes. hasn't kept us home, the wildfire smoke sure had. And because we've been cooped up and we have less street smarts, less common <laughs> sense than ever before. Lori, this week, you talked about one guy who went to a convenience store and just <laughs> didn't know any better. True story. An elderly man walks into, well, like an AM, PM, right up to the slushy machine, turns it on, puts his hand under it, and starts rubbing his hands together. <laughs> Bless his heart, thought it was hand sanitizer. <laughs> he thought the slushy machine was hand sanitizer? Yeah. Well, Didn't you know. the word slushy give it away? <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes these days. Oh, look, they have slushy flavored hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> But you got to hand it to him for trying, right? I'm sure it smelled better anyway. Yeah. And then he could lick his hands. What else is no longer common sense during COVID? There's so oh. much. I think you talked about the teacher who uh, had to oh. reprimand parents. Oh, good Lord. That was crazy. Yeah, Lori, you, you had that one, right? Yes. Here, you ready? Parents, please make sure that you have the own proper clothing when you're walking in front of behind the child's computer. Because we done seen them in their drawers, the bra, and everything else. When you're helping your children at the computer, please uh, do not appear with big joints in your hands and cigarettes. And that's serious. She's oh, yeah. Kidding. Like, she she's at a school board meeting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I could see, like, okay. We've had moments like, you know, if I'm doing something that requires a video camera or, or my wife is doing something, we're fairly aware that the other one is working on something on Zoom or, or some other medium. Every once in a while, there's a moment where like, oh, God, I, ha I have to go out the front door. There's, I have no option here. And I just like <laughs> run across the street. But I have never, I've never been unaware enough to not be clothed. I mean, come on. <laughs> Especially when it's your kid in school. How do you not know they're in school and you're and you're walking around in your skivvies. Come on. I, I saw this makeup video. I don't I, I'm not a makeup person. I mean, I wear it, but I don't care about it. But lately, all these ladies have been doing makeup videos and they're like just wearing their, you know, scrubby T-shirts and sweats. And behind them, their kids are fighting and their husband's <laughs> jumping over the couch to get out of the video when you can see him leaping <laughs> tall buildings. And don't they know she's doing a video? <laughs> right. Doesn't she know that they're behind her trying to kill 
kill themselves. Right. <laughs> or like, it's like, this is normal. I don't know. <laughs> so crazy. I, you know, I'm living alone at this present time, so I don't have to worry about that. I can't imagine not knowing that your kid's on line with their teacher and all their students. And like waving a joint around, like, okay, yes, it's, right. it is legal in some places. It's not a question of legal or illegal. It's your kid is in school. Right. What are you behind them smoking out <laughs> while they're trying to learn American history? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> this didn't used to be legal. This is history. <laughs> <laughs> just that that lady, just the, her voice. I just love, I just loved hearing the exasperation. Our teachers, I don't care who they are, where they are, they're not getting paid enough. They're just not. You're right. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> I loved the reaction of Fitz in the morning to this because Fitz was like, you know what? People go through this. Everybody's surprised by this situation right now. This is a pandemic, and it's jacking everyone up. So if you see a, yeah. if you see an occasional boob or booby every now and then flopping <laughs> in the background, what I'm saying is, you know what? We don't need to hear about it. We're in month six of this. How surprised are you still? <laughs> Obviously, though, uh, you're not realizing some of these parents are supposed to be working and having jobs. Instead, they're at home with children. Right. Mm-hmm. Concerned about their bills being paid. The last thing I'm going to be worried about is an areola flopping around behind me. <laughs> you're telling me if your little son Cash said, Daddy, I just saw a couple of areolas, you wouldn't be a little bit concerned about that? No. The real question is okay. where? Not at all. Okay. I'm no. writing this down. I'll tell you, write it down because parents got, moms and dads got other stuff to worry about. I stand by my statement. <laughs> you would. He would be calling every school board member within five miles yes. to, to complain about the boobahs flying. I also agree that, you know, it's easy to make that mistake. I, I made the mistake. I accidentally walked into my husband's Zoom call in my pajamas. But it, it was like two or three weeks in. after we had all started. Oh. Um, well, there are pandemic commercials that make fun of this because it's common. Um have you seen the Snickers TV ad? A woman has her visitors uh, for the first time, tells her husband to come out, and the husband comes out with a nice shirt on but no pants. <laughs> he thought the meeting would be virtual. <laughs> if you're confused, you might just need a Snickers bar. <laughs> Somebody, some of us know, used to be on with Fitz. His name is Tony. And he was in the beginning, he was on a call. And when the call was over, he didn't end it. He just stood up. And of course, he was in his underwear. Well, the Zoom caught it and his people sent it in. So it was on the nightly news. <laughs> yeah. They put him on the news. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I knew I knew that had happened. I didn't know he made it to the news. Yeah. yeah. He, someone said, oh, was that your rear end I saw on the news? <laughs> So, yeah, it's a thing. And today I saw a lady walking down the road and it looked like she was in long johns. I couldn't really tell if they were leggings or jammies. And I was like, you know what? Whatever. Anything seems to go now. Right. (laughs) It's not like we have to go. Wait, is she wearing real clothes? Oh, well, it doesn't even matter. (laughs) Nope. Doesn't matter anymore. Like there's a whole new fashion industry of Zoom calls and homeware and all this You know what's really taking off right now are either eyelash extensions or magnetic eyelashes because we've got masks on. We don't have to do the rest of our makeup, so we're just doing our eyes, and we want to have those Zoom eyes, you know? Zoom eyes. 
So everybody's <laughs> punching up their eye, their eyelashes. That's right. Eyebrows, eyelashes. <laughs> That's so funny you say that because literally driving home today, I drove by, I was in downtown Renton and I drove by this business that's like a, just an eyebrow salon. Like there was a hair salon and there was something else like a mani-pedi and it was eyebrows by, you know, whoever, <laughs> uh, a, a studio and academy. And I'm like, wow, I bet, assuming she's allowed to take clients right now because she's still a salon, she's got to be making a killing because everybody's getting their eyebrows done right now because that's all anybody sees. So that's now right. you're telling me eyelashes <laughs> are also getting the, the eyebrow treatment. This is a great time to be in the eye business. It is. It is. I mean, that's all we're seeing, right? And when yeah. you think about it, okay, so today um, I tell you guys a lot about my friend who's a hospice nurse and I met with her for lunch. She came over from Spokane and it's, you know, she's a hospice so we have to keep our distance, keep our masks on. And we started at one place. We did like the a restaurant crawl because, you know, we had time to visit. We started at a coffee shop where this woman that does this coffee shop is so outgoing and always, you know, hi to everybody. And she's got a mask on and it was like she was a different person. It was like I was watching her eyes and her eyebrows. I was looking for that charisma and it wasn't there. And when she finally came to our table, I was like, hi, thank you. And then she then she brightened up and her eyebrows went up. And I was like, oh my gosh, people don't even know they're acting weird when they have a mask right? on. No, you don't. It's like, where are you? You're, you're the most charismatic person I know. And you're like, I have a mask on. I can't breathe. I can't talk. I can't. <laughs> I can't breathe. Exactly right. I'm, Use I'm your just eyebrows. focusing on inhaling and exhaling. Right. <laughs> well, we had a big loss this week. It's been so great to listen to all the tributes to her. Jimmy Fallon did one that was so great. And in, in the end, he said, we will continue your work. Last Friday, we lost an American icon. Ruth Bader Ginsburg served on the Supreme Court for 27 years. She was a leader in the fight against sex discrimination and a pioneer in the battle for women's rights and gender equality. This country has lost a true hero, a relentless fighter, and a role model to women everywhere. The loss of Justice Ginsburg makes it even more important that everyone votes in this election. So please register and make sure your vote is counted. Thank you, RBG. Rest in peace. We promise to continue the fight that you started. You know, it's interesting she's become such an icon, especially in the last few years. But, I mean, you know, she's been on the bench a while. But I myself, I had to get educated. This was a while back, maybe a year ago, when the movie came out, On the Basis of Sex, which is not a documentary but a, a dramatization of, of her early years, her, her first cases. And the thing that really made her, and this goes way, way, way back, was equal pay. Right, This woman named Lily Ledbetter, who found out after she had left a company that she'd been with for a billion years, that she was paid less than all the men that were there, and she sued. Ultimately, it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg argued it. Not, just not when she was a Supreme, on the Supreme Court judge, but when she was just an attorney, right? She argued this case, and she lost it. But oh. it, it didn't matter that she lost, because what they ended up doing was she then went to Congress, and Congress ended up rewriting the law, and it was actually one of the first things that Barack Obama took up when he was elected president. I think the Lilly Ledbetter Act, it wasn't the first, it was one of the first things that he signed in the law, equal pay for women. So even though this woman herself didn't ever get the money back that, that mm -hmm. she was owed, Ruth Bader Ginsburg changed history as an attorney 
by getting that case argued and bringing it to the attention of Congress, who, who could actually change the law. And that's just one of like a million things like that. She was not for giant sweeping, every single thing about women has to be better. She would take it one piece at a time. So this is about equal pay. And now yeah. this one is about women getting pensions. Or men, in, case, in this case, on the basis of sex, it was for men. She fought for a man to get a pension after his wife died. Because in those days, women, it was assumed that women couldn't do anything without men. But it was never assumed that men couldn't do anything without women. Mm. And this man had nothing and his wife passed away and he was not entitled to her pension and Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought for him. Wow. And it's fascinating to me that that's how she took it was one problem at a time. She was determined to make the world a more equal place and you could mm -hmm. definitely see that and as a lawyer when she wanted to at first even learn about lawyers who worked to ensure people were treated fairly. Yeah. And also, she's a great icon for short people because she was like <laughs> four foot nine or something. I mean, she's just tiny and a, just so much dynamic mm -hmm. <laughs> coming out of that little body, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think her husband was like 6'3 or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> they were married like 50-something years when he passed away. 2010, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I found out that... Um, J-Lo called Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg for some uh, marital advice one day. She's engaged to A-Ride. One day, RBG gets asked by J-Lo, what's your secret to a, a good marriage? And RBG gives her the same advice her mother-in-law gave her on her wedding day, which was, it helps sometimes to be a little deaf. <laughs> <laughs> and this speaks to spouses probably who react to everything or maybe even people who sweat the small stuff. So it helps to sometimes be a little deaf. So true. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, really, really wonderful lady. Um, she battled so hard through multiple infirmities over the last few years. But, you know, pancreatic cancer, as we mm -hmm. all know, that's a particularly difficult one. And even then, she stayed on that bench as, as long as she could. As long I mean, as she it's could. just so much courage. Yeah. So, yeah, we attribute to her. And then, you know, everybody's getting on the bandwagon about voting. More and more celebrities mm -hmm. are putting out stuff. Have you noticed that? Yes. Like Taylor Swift and Harry Styles and all these people are, you know, get registered to vote. And it's so important. And uh, I love the um, video you sent to me, Anna, and uh, to me and Claire. <laughs> oh, actually, Claire sent that to me. Oh, that no, was... no, she sent it to both of us. Oh, <laughs> it was from oh, Claire. The, the Ladies of Atlanta? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ladies of Atlanta. <laughs> I love this. A, a coalition of, of strippers, exotic dancers in the city of Atlanta, put together a video encouraging people to go to the polls, P-O-L-L-S, from their, <laughs> their polls, P-O-L-E-S, that they're literally... <laughs> hanging and dangling from these poles, and they're talking about the importance of voting, and I love it. They're just mm. like, it's not just about the president. You have to vote for your senator and your legislature and your district attorney, and they yeah. like go down like the whole ballot and how important <laughs> it is to get out the vote in the whole time. They're like shaking it. I mean, it right. will definitely, it'll get your attention for whatever reason you want. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hilarious. Totally totally unexpected. If it gets just three or four, I'm assuming men to register to vote, then they will have done their job, you know? And they, they ask good questions, too, while they're on the poll. <laughs> right. Like, want trades and coding taught in our schools? Then vote. Right. Vote for schools that will prepare us for the job market. And, right. And, and they, they pointed out that Ferguson, Missouri, appointed the first black mayor, and they're like, why did that happen? Because people voted, you know? And, <laughs> right. and then they show a, a G-string and a shot of their butt cheeks with the word vote 
vote on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Shaking. Like the stickers. Like the sticker you get that says, I voted, those are placed in strategic places. <laughs> right. 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 But they're having and, this totally intelligent yes. conversation. I just mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. I hope it works. Yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the old MTV um, Rock the Vote. Because, you yes. know, like, our, our parents probably didn't appreciate back in the 90s when, like, Madonna was telling us to rock the vote in Megadeth. And then, like, years later, Miley Cyrus does rock the vote, you know. Right, but, right. Yeah, you might not... You might not like this video for the visuals of the strippers, but think don't of watch it, it with your kids. <laughs> your parents probably didn't like the MTV Rock the Rock the Vote ads. Right, right, right. <laughs> and don't I, watch I do it at work either. <laughs> that was a, that was a good. Thank you for sending that ad. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I just I watched it as a laugh, and then once I started watching it, I was like, wow, this is really impactful. Yeah, it really. <laughs> really is. And it's called, what's it called? Get your booty to the polls. Yes. <laughs> yes. Get your, booty, get your to booty, booty to the polls. <laughs> get your booty to the polls. And I do think it, it's significant when we, you know, back when, when, when we were kids and when it was MTV Rock the Vote, it was get out and vote. Now it's about register. I think right. they've come to yes. realize in the last several years that all these kids that are out there protesting and really wanted to do things and change the world don't mm. realize you can't just show up on November 3rd. You actually have to register first. Right. And, I, yeah. and I, I love that, that that's how the message has kind of morphed over the years. Well, yeah. and yeah. for instance, you all know I work with homeless women. Well, the best way we can get laws changed is if they vote. But if they have a felony, they can't register to vote. So there are some. Yeah. And so there's some things around that, too. And, you know, when you're when you're on the street and you're a drug addict, you are going to steal. You're going to do all those things. And then when you get well and you make amends and you're mortified that you live that kind of a life because of drugs, you want to get back on track and it's a little bit harder. So, you know, I think that maybe there should be some legislation that if people are clean and sober for a certain amount of time, you know, that they should be able to vote anyway. Lori, that's that's something I've always wondered about, and I and I really don't have never known the answer to this, is that once you are convicted of a felony, you lose the right to vote for the rest of your life. Is that correct? Well, I believe so, but they have some things in place now that are really amazing, and one of them is called drug court. If you will submit to drug court and go through all of the things, then they will let your felony go once you have served your time in going every week to support groups and doing all the work around it. Police are trying to make this work because they know about opioids and how people get addicted. Just normal people that go in and have surgery get hooked on these drugs and end up losing Losing their house, their families, everything. So they've created this drug court, which will help people. And I've seen so many of our women graduate from drug court, and then they can let those things go and they can get their driver's license, get their kids back. They can start to live. I don't even want to say get their life back. They get to live a new life. Right. There are some new things. And you guys, I did this interview yesterday for my public affairs show. Claire, I actually looked around the building to see if you were here and I didn't see you, but this Seattle policewoman went to the prison. And she said, when I went in there, I'd been a cop for 20 years. And I looked at these women and I didn't see them as women that I had arrested. I saw them as women I would hang out with. And Mm -hmm. she sat with them and talked. And, you know, she was a policewoman, so they weren't very receptive to her. But I love Mm -hmm. this so much. She asked this question. She said, if somebody could have told you something to change the trajectory of you ending up here, what would it have been? Well, nobody answered her. It was like crickets, you know, and she left. But she had made this commitment to come and to meet with these women. Well, when she came back, 
one of the inmates handed her a huge stack of papers and she said, we all answered your question. <gasps> and so, so they, they thought about, oh, yes. Wow. And she read through them and it started what they call the if project with these women in prison. They've created a curriculum to help them when they get back in the real world to be able to adapt and live a good life. And it's so amazing. And the IF Project has mentors. So a year before a woman gets out, she meets her mentor. They get to know each other when she gets out. They're there for her. There are a lot of businesses, I will say, in this area that will hire felons. And I'm grateful for that because Mm -hmm. of the women I coach. I know they're awesome, amazing women, but they did things when they were on drugs, you know. So it was just so amazing to see this project and see these women in prison fall in love with this police officer. And it's it's just so amazing. And I, I don't even remember why I brought that up, except we're talking about all this social justice and just the whole thing with Seattle police and to see that they do have a lot. They're ahead of the game on a lot of things that they do. I mean, sending police into the prisons, you know, right, to make connections. Right. Did she did I'm interested in the. I know this is a whole other topic for a whole other day, but in what some of their answers were, what what are things, if it's as simple as, you know, it not, there's nothing simple about this, but if it, was there a person, was there a mentor? That's exactly what it was, or, Claire. Yeah. It, that was, she said in all of them, she would, she said probably more than 95%, there was one person. If there was one person who believed in them, uh-huh. it would have made that difference. And they're using that to try to go now into the youth centers and work with the youth to help them, you know, what if we give them this information? What if we give them a mentor? Maybe they won't end up in prison. Yes, find someone who believes in you now. Oh, my gosh. And mentorship, you know, I worked with Big Brother, Big Sister. It is so important to have somebody that believes in you and will listen to you. It was just so humbling to listen to these women that are part of the IF Project telling the story about these women in prison. And one of them, actually, the way I found out about him is one of, I'm a recovery coach. And so one of my clients is working and she's gotten into housing and she's doing amazing. And she told me about this project. And so for me to see how how well she's doing and how well she's adjusting and taking responsibility for herself because of this kind of mentoring that, you know, saw her through the end of her time and into the new world where, you know, we never prisoners never pay their time. If we, you know, if, if the community knows you were in jail, everybody knows you were in jail and, you know, they want to hold you there. So right. You, you, never, you, mm-hmm. you never get out. Even once you're out, you never get out. Exactly. Right. Not for everybody, but for many. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it's having somebody mm-hmm. that believes in you and a family to connect with. Anyways, it, it's, you know, I'm just out of this COVID, I am seeing so many good things. Now, this came way before COVID, but I just noticed it during this time. But right. When you see people making these connections, and I'm going to call them love connections, because these prisoners fell in love with this policewoman. She even did it overnight there with them in the jail. And, you know, she takes the other officers when the women who get out, then they speak about the project. And she takes other officers to hear them speak. And it's just, it's so amazing because it is bridging the gap. We see on the outside, but we do not see all the workings that is going on in the inside. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think most people assume that jail is just, you know, sitting in a box for 23 hours a day and then you go eat and have yard time. But there's a ton of rehabilitation or or efforts toward that that go on. Mm -hmm. And it's not 
it's as minimally funded as, as the state can get away with. And, you know, I wish that there was a lot more that, that goes on. But I love that, 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 that it's a police officer that started that. And then she's getting other police officers, you know, involved in that. I wish that story was like, I wish you could tell that to the entire world right now. Well, you are. You're telling an unlisten and learner not. I mean, that's just, that's tremendous. Yeah, it, and and what I loved about it was any average person, anybody with any career could have walked in there, but she's a police officer, and she walked in, and even though it was crickets, she was asking questions. I mean, she was curious, <laughs> yeah. and they weren't responding because, of course, they were leery, but then she went back, and she went back again, and she built relationship with these women, which made all the difference. And, you know, if you think about it, being in prison now, tomorrow you're let out. You go, you get your kids back. You have nowhere to live. You don't have a job. You can't get a job. You know, it's like this is for a successful transition so that you don't end up back in there. If if big companies, maybe even small companies, if they could just get in touch with these programs, once you're in prison, you're pretty much screwed. Right. If companies would be so willing to give people second chances, people coming out of prisons, at least they have a chance for a successful transition. I think that would make a big difference. And she said Mm -hmm. to watch the documentary 13. Have you heard of this? 13th Amendment? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So have you watched it? I've heard of it. I've not seen it. She said, watch it and you will see why we're in the place we're in today. So that's going to be my weekend mission to watch the documentary 13. I think you watched it, Claire. I think you told us about that one. That's the Ava Duvernay Duvernay one. Oh, God. Yeah, that's riveting. You know what? Yes. I I forgot that's what it was called. I was thinking it was called... um, uh, 13th amendment or something different Mm. it Mm. the first 10 minutes of that it's it's one of those things that grabs you like from the very beginning Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. basically what it addresses is is kind of a a systemic problem which is really what we've been talking about for the last well exactly the last hard for the last six months but for the last you know five years in a lot of ways is kind of like historically legally how people were treated differently at by the at the end of the civil war and getting into jim crow laws but then then that fed into this bias you know this this bias that i think a lot of that is recognizing that you have the bias acknowledging that you might think you're the most enlightened non you know prejudicial person in the world but acknowledging that somewhere inside you, you do have the bias mm-hmm. and and that coupled with the history you know that goes back to 1865 um, really to 1619, but that, you know, that's a lot of what that movie is about. And, and that's true for prisoners. And I think, you know, we're, you know, we're talking around, I'm talking around the main thing, which is black versus white at this point. Prisoners are prisoners, right? And an ex-convict is, there is probably more of a bias if they're black or of color, mm-hmm. but it exists within the white community as well. Once you are, once you are branded a criminal, it's very difficult to overcome that. And like you were saying, Lori, it comes from drugs, dependency, one mistake, right. you know, mm-hmm. addiction. All you don't, you don't know the path that somebody has walked in their first. 14 or 15 years, let alone the first 25 years. Right. right? And early childhood abuse. I mean, I think that that's the stem of a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think what spoke to me the most is I worked with Big Brother, Big Sister for years. Um, I believe 
being a mentor, and I feel like people don't really understand what mentorship is. It's not like going in and teaching them a business course. It's like going in and shooting hoops with them, or if you're the type to color, color with them, just spending time with somebody, letting them Mm -hmm. know they're seen and heard. I think in COVID, we are all feeling that we want to be seen and heard. I think we're realizing how important it is to acknowledge people. And so back to where we started, I heard Claire in the bathroom and I just wanted that connection. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that that's what we're all really becoming aware of. And if you can be a mentor to a kid or to somebody younger than you, it will change their lives. Be a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Do it on your own or get a program, you know, sign up for a program, but find a way Mm -hmm. to be there for somebody on a regular basis, even if it's just one year, one day a week for a year. My daughter has a program in California called Catalyst. It started out for foster kids, mentors for foster kids in the school because Sacramento took all their homeless and bussed them to Reading. And so now they've got all these immense amount of foster children. So they started this mentoring program so that people could come and spend one-on-one time with these kids so they could feel seen and heard. And then COVID hit. And so now they're trying to figure out how to do it virtually. But having a mentor is so significant in any study and like with that police officer, she said the biggest thing they said, if there was one thing, if somebody would have mentored me, I may not have ended up in prison. Wow. So how would that work now? Like, let's say I wanted to volunteer right now to, to mentor for somebody, you know, and you background check and you, you know, they might do all of those things with you, but it would have to be virtual at right. this point, right? I mean, you can't meet with people. Right. Or by letters. Think about it. If you do it, um, big brother, big sister, it's going to be a little bit different. If you do it through the IF project, they're going to be in prison. So you're not going to be able to really go see them every week, depending on where they are. So you'll write some letters. You'll just reach out. You'll make a connection, maybe by phone, maybe video calling. It's just saying, hey, I'm here and I want to hear your stories. That's that's a big deal to have somebody just be willing to listen and not fix. Listen and not fix. See, I think that's the key thing is that, you know, we, we assume, well, what do I have to offer? I don't have anything to offer. I don't know anything about that experience. But you just said it. Listen and not fix. Just listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lori, can I go, like, just live at your house and listen to you talk? <laughs> we'll sit around the fire listening to Lori. <laughs> And it'll be so quiet because we'll all be trying to listen and nobody would right. be talking. But when she goes to the bathroom, That's don't right. talk. <laughs> I will say there was somebody else in the bathroom. So maybe if it was just you, but if it was just you, you wouldn't have been talking. So I may not have realized it. So who was I talking to? You were talking to somebody and it was like, oh, they're talking. There's people. Wow. I wonder who it was. Were you talking to yourself? Maybe she was. Was I, was I singing? Because I do that too. Well, you sang a little. Yeah, you, yeah, you did. You, yeah, you were very clear. You were very clear. What was she singing? <laughs> we interviewed um, uh, John Oates this week from Hall and Oates. Mm, he has what? A, he has a, a country record out, and I have had Hall and Oates songs stuck in my head ever <laughs> since. Every day, it's something different. I can't go for that. No, no can you? <laughs> Your kisses on my list, whatever, <laughs> just every single day for a week. Lori, was she saying, private eyes? Yes. <laughs> <watching> you. <laughs> She's a man eater. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> She's a rich girl. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm a family man. <laughs> That's it's always good to end with a song, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what a what a good conversation. I want to say thank you for your words of wisdom today and every day, Life Coach Lori, Claire, and thank you, listeners, for downloading this podcast. You can get it everywhere. You get a podcast: Apple, Google, Spotify, Podcast One, the Revolving Conveyor Belt at Sushi Land, Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I, can even, I think you oh can do a drive-by too <laughs> i remember i remember seeing so real quick i remember seeing the revolving conveyor belt in the sushi restaurant in a in a movie once and i was like oh does that exist and then i went to like <laughs> went to like genki juicy or something over here in factoria and i was like oh my god it exists <laughs> it just tastes better if it comes on a conveyor belt <laughs> something about that <laughs> Life Coach Lori, how many stars should they give us? Five. Five stars. Claire, shouldn't they share our podcast <laughs> with friends and family? Absolutely. They should share it with their friends and family and even their casual co-workers. In fact, the <laughs> next time you're in the bathroom, you should say, I am going to share with you this podcast called Listen and Learn or Not. <laughs> in fact, play it on your phone, out loud on the speaker. Yes. So <laughs> they'll be forced to listen. <laughs> It could be number one. It could be number two. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Enjoy your week, ladies. And to everyone, this is Listen and Learn or, or Not. not. <laughs> your story. It lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Guys, are you trying to stay in 20-year-old shape into your 30s and 40s and finding it, well, impossible? Then you need to listen to this. Beachbody, the company that revolutionized getting ripped at home with P90X and Insanity, has a brand new program just for you called Lift 4. It's part lift. It's part hit. With total body shredding results in just 30 to 40 minutes a day, right at home on the Beachbody On Demand app. That's how you get killer results as an adult. Go to Beachbody.com to sign up now and you can try Live 4 for free. That's Beachbody.com.